You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, hello, and a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every week we bring you everything that is fun, innovative, and exciting in the digital procurement space. And this week, as you know, I'm generally a fan of best-of-breed solutions, especially for non-enterprise businesses, because I preach simplicity and agility and have long really been an advocate of great UX, high levels of adoption, and sort of more of a done is better than perfect philosophy. But with that being said, we have to acknowledge that a lot of businesses who were early movers on their digital transformation will already have implemented some of the established suites. And it can also be argued, obviously, that companies above a certain size, especially in the enterprise space, can see the benefits of having a single access point for both stakeholders and suppliers alike into their central procurement ecosystem. And with many companies facing a decision whether or not to replace their existing legacy tech or whether they should go best of breed, or should they even stick to an approach of using a suite at the core of their digital procurement system and then add things onto it, it does kind of beg some wider questions. So I'm, we're going to tackle that subject today. And my guest on the show, uh, Jim Bureau, is CEO of Jagger. So, Jim, welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. James, thank you very much for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. So, yeah, you've come into the dragon's den a little bit with me being a bit of a best of breed fanboy, but uh, <laughs> I I appreciate you reaching out and taking the time because I think we we love to get sort of diverse solutions on here and and to really chew the fat around what's going on. And you're in a tough market right now, right? So, I mean, when best of breeds are gaining market share like they are right now and with the top two sort of suites by market share, in your segment, really starting to consolidate and, and and leverage their position. How do you carve out your niche? Yeah, so it's a good question, and I, I guess I would I would start by by saying you know we we probably view the world a bit different, right? So uh, so first of all, look, we're we're a huge fan of innovation. Right, and you get innovation by people doing creative, uh, creative things, and 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 that oftentimes requires um, niches in certain marketplaces um, that 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 technology companies can take advantage of. So you know the you made an interesting point right at the beginning of your podcast here, where you know what do people want to go best of breed? Do they want to go full suite? I have I've been doing this for 30 years now, and while best of intentions uh, are maybe to go one way or the other, inevitably you're always going to have a mix of technologies in there. Even the biggest companies that I'm aware of that have full suite end to end, the minute that they buy another uh, entity, they've got a different 
environment in there. And so you also touched upon another, what we consider a really important point uh, early on, which is the experience. Because at the end of the day, whether it's full suite, best of breed, or what have you, the experience is going to drive user adoption. User adoption is going to provide return on investment. And that's where uh, we would encourage our customers to focus in on. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. So where do you or what do you see the landscape looking like then going into the future for 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 established suites like like yourselves do you do you feel that it may go a little bit more modular and 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 you will have to adapt by perhaps selling individual modules as well as a full suite yeah well i will tell you what what we are doing here at jagger there's two important initiatives with it we're working on so first of all i i would say as a general rule of thumb the reason why full full suite um you know, exist out there in the first place is it's expensive to tie things together, um, to tie, you know, best of breed. I mean, you know, that pendulum has shifted back and forth over the years, many times over. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you, you know, you sort of nailed it is, is, uh, is simplicity. Um, what do a couple of things that Jagger is very much focused on? Um, one is creating a, a, an environment in an ecosystem of partners around us. And, and that allows people to have sweet systems while being able to plug niche innovative vendors into that quickly, easily, um, without requiring a lot of IT. And, I, and I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, uh, Tealbook, uh, who we do quite a bit of work with, uh, is a good example. Um, you know, we we know that a lot of uh, our customers need, have a need for supplier augmentation of data. Um, and so we plug Tealbook directly into that. Ecovatus in the in the ESG space uh, is another good example of that. And so where Jagger is spending our time and effort is on creating that app store, uh, which allows our customers to not only share um, third party modules and products that, uh, can easily be plugged in. Um, but we're also working on, um, something we call Jagger Compose. And what Jagger Compose is all about is allowing our customers and partner community to build out business processes that are specific to a niche or specific to an industry that they can share amongst one another. Um, and we believe that that w- will completely change the game on on how people interact um, with these systems today. Yeah, you touched on a couple of good points there. The, the making it more bespoke and more adjustable or or adaptable to different industry sectors in terms of the way people put their processes together is one. But I I wanted to touch a little bit on what you said around. Um, around App Store, you know, SAP, Ariba, and Cooper have obviously been quite prominent in bringing this out. So, is is that something that you're you're already in the process of deploying, or is it more ad hoc as you as you partner with different solutions like the Tealbooks and the Ecovadises that you mentioned? Yeah, so uh, it will officially be launched at the end of our uh, Q2 here, um, but we've got co- companies that are already using it, like a Tealbook. Um, but the, the key for us is to scale and to make it easy. 
I've been doing this for a long time, I, you know, and, and, and I will acknowledge Salesforce has done a really good job of this, right? I can go on to Salesforce and I can plug in a third party module uh, for a specific niche uh, that I want to do and be up and running by lunchtime. Uh, so that's the objective of where where we're going is, you know, the procurement space. I mean, there are there are many, many, many different adjacent um, markets to this to the procurement space, um, but they have to be easy to be be able to plug in. That means API enabling your entire infrastructure um, so that you can uh, easily plug those modules in with literally the click of a mouse and be up and running in a matter of minutes. Time to value is critical in today's SaaS environment. People want to be up running immediately. And if they do that, Jim, do you do you see a future of where where customers may be able to take more of a pick and mix approach? So I mean, just let's just give an example. If they if they feel that an external spend analytics program or SaaS product is is stronger than what you can offer or if they want certain features, is that something that they could as part of their 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 RFP? specifically request that they that they don't want to take the full suite with the spend module and, and plug in a best of breed instead of that you know like likewise for any other part of part of the application too yeah well clearly you're 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 asking a question that for for any ceo you know nobody likes to forego business anywhere but the simple reality is that's how that's how the vast majority of uh, entities buy. I mean, you know, if they have something up and running, whether they got it from years ago or they got it through an acquisition or what have you, um, oftentimes there's no reason why they should, you know, part with those. Now, I I would make the argument that in order to get the most out of your platform, it's it's more advantageous for those all to be seamlessly worked to, together. Um, but that being said, it's just not the reality that that we live in. And so, you know, one of the things that Jagger has done is, you know, we we you'll notice we've spent a lot of time and money and and, and effort on our autonomous commerce platform. That's really important because what that implies is that uh, the way that you get autonomy uh, is through machine learning and artificial intelligence, but you have to be able to do that through systems that are not your own as well, because that's where you get a true autonomous environment. You're never going to own anything, everything. So how do you take to, to come, uh, information like from Tealbook, like from uh, Gavadis or what have you, as well as your own, as well as from maybe somebody else's spend analytics application, what have you, and work it into uh, uh, your machine learning so that you can apply and proactively push recommendations um, to a user community that may or may not live within your application. To us, it's, it's all about the experience. And if I can get my users to have a great experience um, and get that value back, that's where we're going to be focused on. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, 
a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you. Check out procurementsoftware.site. And now let's get right back to this week's podcast. And that's the key, isn't it? Because you, with the best will in the world, you, you just can't be everything to everyone in today's landscape. If we take a simple example, Ikea make perfectly good kitchens, but you probably wouldn't buy your, your cooker or your white goods from them. And you'd, you'd put in a, 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 a Bosch or a Neff or whatever the North American brand is that's on Vogue at the moment. And it's kind of similar with, with this, isn't it? That you, you're going to have your core functionality in a suite that you do that you do well, and some of them do it better than others, right? That's a competitive marketplace, but you're always going to have certain niche requirement. I mean, contract lifecycle management or or, uh, or or contract authoring and approval is is another one. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute when we chat, when we look at acquisitions that you've recently done, but that's a great example, isn't it? Uh, that, that's a really good example. And I'll, and I'll you know, like, let's expand upon you, the contracts for a second. So, so interestingly enough, you know, people, and people will make that argument quite a bit, right? Um, oh, contracts, uh, is, is adjacent and adjacent market. And sometimes it can be, sometimes it's not. Um, but interestingly enough, we've, we, we acknowledge that. Um, and we have spent a lot of time and effort, um, making our contract management application uh, very usable, very uh, easy for average uh, user to to, uh, navigate. Um, Interestingly enough, the minute that we acknowledged, okay, we can open the, uh, you know, this environment has to be able to work with anybody. um, Lo and behold, what happened is you started focusing on that customer experience Interestingly, Jagger is the only uh, full suite vendor that shows up in that magic quadrant. What's interesting about it is, is you, know, you kind of drop the the need to focus on what I call forcing people to put your contract module in just because you have to have it and focus on the experience. What ends up happening is people will gravitate to the experience that gets them that return on investment. And so we're, that's where we're honing in on is that user experience and the analytics on top of it. And, you know, if that ends up being our contract management suite, great. Uh, if it's not, um, you know, that's okay too, but we're going to, you know, you referenced Docsgif a minute ago. Uh, so we made that acquisition for, for, um, for analytics. We can actually take those analytics and apply them to third-party contracting systems because that's what the customer need is. What drives your strategy then around staying on top of, in, of innovation? How would you then decide whether you would whether you would go out and acquire a company or whether you would do something like what you've done with Tealbook and EcoVardis and just have a strategic partnership? 
Yeah, so so we've got a couple of things that we view that truly differentiate us. One is is it's got to be networked, right? Um, and so that means you've got to work with all different suppliers, partners, Internet of Things, uh, buyers, etc., in a connected environment. Two, you have to layer that intelligence across the user experience, not the platform. That's a substantial difference, right? Because that implies that sometimes that's good, that data is going to come from your application. Sometimes it's not. Um, thirdly, comprehensive. And so when we think about comprehensive, um, you know, what we're really thinking about is, is not a comprehensiveness of our application, but the comprehensive of the user experience. If I follow a workflow from start to finish, through um, through a B2B application, am I improving that workflow? And in some cases, you know, wh wh when we create our app store, some cases it makes a lot of sense for those uh, those third party applications to stay third party applications. In some cases, it makes sense to to pull those in and have them become part of our environment through merger acquisitions. Uh, it depends on on the niche. Uh, from which those operate in and, and the, you know, what the, the contribution is um, to both the user experience as well as us from a financial perspective. Um, the last one I'll, I'll throw in there is, is extensibility, right? So when we're thinking about what truly differentiates Jagger is how do you extend our application, either through our own modules or through third-party modules? And if one of those doesn't work, um, again, I'll go back to Jagger Compose. How do I uh, allow my partners to to create? You use the word bespoke. I'd try to avoid that word because because that tends to lend towards expensive. Um, but, <laughs> but 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 how do you create? Here's the challenge in the SaaS environment today. Everybody wants an application that works just for them. Uh, but 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 on the which implies custom, uh, but every, they also want quick speed, time to value. And so what Jagger Compose is all about is allowing people to tailor. So the word I'll choose tailor their application to either their industry, their process flows, uh, their in, uh, environment without breaking the system when it comes to a multi-tenant SaaS upgrades. Um, and, and we have spent a lot of time make, ensuring that that doesn't happen. There are other vendors, I will name names in our, in our space, who've done a pretty good job of that business process um, experience. And customers love it for about two weeks. And then all of a sudden they have to start upgrading and they're stuck. And now they're back in 1990 uh, technology. And so that was very important to us is to make sure that we could do that in a multi-tenant SaaS environment. Do you also invest into up and coming startups that you see as being particularly innovative? So as you've still got some skin in the game in in certain areas that may not be core features for your product, but where you want to where you want to keep a vested interest? Uh, we would do that by way of our uh, partner ecosystem in our app store is how we would do that. And, and oftentimes we'll do, you know, we, we the relationships that we uh, frame with those are oftentimes either revenue sharing or, you know, from a support perspective, ensuring that, you know, the customer 
uh, as one touch point for for support, uh, which implies a, an investment on our part uh, in, a, in, a, in more of a revenue share model. And that's how we would typically do it. Got it. Yeah. How do you see the balance between features and cost in terms of where, where the market's going? Because if you, suites have always historically been geared towards enterprise level businesses are you are you starting to see now more of a strategy develop downstream as as mid-market businesses are are starting to digitize and you know do you do you see that with your solution i mean to some extent i guess with all suites they're going to be priced out of the market at the very bottom end but what sort of annual turnover would a company need to typically have for for jagger to be an attractive solution yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, as you can imagine, it kind of depends on the the industry and, and the type of spend that's going through the application. Uh, but as a, I'd say as a general rule of thumb, something with uh, a 250, 300 million uh, turnover would would be sort of what I call the entry point where it would make logical sense to start looking at at uh, at, a, at a true true platform. Uh, in environment, we have some that are, would be lower than that, um, but it would be something like uh, startup pharmaceuticals, where they've got very specific needs uh, for what they do. I'll, I'll give you an example. We've got we've got uh, pharma companies who have scientists that need to search uh, in a marketplace for um, compounds based on a chemical structure. So we actually give them the ability to go in and and create a chemical compound or, or, or search for a chemical compound so that it can uh, lend itself to a specific application. That's a very unique thing uh, that, that we provide for our pharmaceutical companies. So so you can the, the need for that drops way down down uh, as these you know some of these co- companies are getting going and and a lot of pharma is what will happen is you know they'll they start in that incubator stage where that's a need and then all of a sudden they either sell out to a uh, AstraZeneca or Pfizer or whoever um, and so it they end up having to scale very quickly yeah and let's also not forget that it's a, a super profitable industry in most cases as well yeah, if exactly. we're comparing it against more traditional manufacturing you know like automotive or, or machine construction or whatever yeah yeah agree you know james i'll give you the, another interesting stat here so so a lot of the vendors in our space right we're go they go toe to toe in the indirect materials and there's a lot of cost savings to be had in indirect materials for sure um but interestingly enough, indirect materials only makes up about 25 to 30% of corporate spend. Yeah. So direct, direct materials is a, you know, which, which we are the strongest player in the marketplace. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very good space for us and, and something that we view as clearly differentiated, um, uh, you know, relative to our peers. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually, because a lot of suites do tend to have a or, or even solely concentrate on indirect spend. So having that having that flexibility to do both is certainly a is is certainly an advantage against against some of the competitors in your space. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, poor poor data is the elephant in the room. Let's talk about this a little bit because it's it's kind of no longer a viable excuse to postpone digital transformation, and we. 
we mentioned Tealbuck earlier on, which this is obviously the wheelhouse that they play in. Having your vendor master data all in one place should theoretically be a big selling point for for any for any suite uh, over best of breed. So, other than what you've done with uh, with your Tealbuck partnership, what it, what else are you doing around the data management piece to stay ahead of the curve? Particularly, I'm thinking particularly around vendor master data and vendor intake because that's as a as a procurement pro myself that's something i've often find found to be quite bureaucratic and very admin heavy uh, to to stay on top of that yes so i i will say it's one of it is one of the toughest um aspects of 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 making these work correctly and and it, where it usually comes i mean look when you have a, a an an up running operational environment where you know the the setup is complete it's actually relatively easy right but but getting there is the hard part and the reason why it's hard is you know it's not unusual for us to have um customers who have 12 15 20 30 different erp systems that they're pulling data from initially right. especially if they've grown through acquisition right as well which is common in manufacturing yeah, absolutely. Right. And so that's what, you know, we uh, we've done implementations where we've seen, you know, you go through their supplier master and, um, you know, not only do they have duplicates, but they've got uh, vendors that are in there seven, eight, nine times over. Um, and the data is partially completed and, and, and it's a real challenge. And so, you know, what we've done is twofold, right? We've, we've created an ecosystem of partners, whether it's Teal Book, Dun & Bradstreet, Bureau Van Dyke, uh, what have you, that augment that. We've also uh, done a lot of work with our um, partner community. So whether it's the PWCs, the Accenture's, Bearing Point, Rise Now's uh, of the world, to make sure that we have a methodology for how we're pulling that data in. And, and in many cases, you know, particularly at the, at the enterprise level, um, they will often have a separate MDM initiative um, going on that you're, that you're plugging into. Uh, we actually see that to be the case more often than people asking us necessarily to be the, the, uh, the owner of that. And which kind of lends to your original point starting off, right, is, is uh, you know, does it make sense for, for someone like us to, to do that? Yes, we absolutely have to plug into it. Yes, we can be that, but we're not the only ones in the enterprise that need uh, MDM data. Yeah, very true. Where do you see enterprises fail or where do you see them typically get frustrated or or fall down when it comes to digital procurement transformation i mean you you've like you say you've been jag has been around a long time in in various different forms so you've obviously got a lot of industry data and experience to to have some thoughts and opinions on that yeah so one of the it's a great question um i will say this uh it depends on on you know Everybody likes to go in and sell the the perfect system. It depends on where their starting point is and what kind of champions they have behind. Um, so something that I, I, we're seeing distinctly different over the course of the 
last 18 months. And it, I think it's just been a, a, a culmination of events that have led to this, um, you know, starting with COVID and then, you know, ramping that through the supply chain issues that sometimes COVID has created. Now you got geopolitical and, uh, events that are going on. Um, and what's happened is, you know, we, we tend to operate in what off people times often refer to as the spend management market. Well, if I can't get the goods and services to, um, allow me to make my products, that's no longer a spend management initiative. That's a revenue initiative. And so what we're seeing now is a very different, um, environment where whether it's a chief procurement officer or a uh, head of supply chain, they're having a seat at the table at the enterprise that spans the entire organization. And where people oftentimes historically have gone wrong is it, oh, that's a procurement initiative uh, and let them run it. And now what you're getting is that access point to where the um, when people are doing these initiatives, it spans across many different uh, functional departments, and there and, and that makes a a, a pretty um, material impact on the success and the adoption. Um, and 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 it certainly doesn't hurt that that you know people's experiences in the B two C world have also made an impact, um, right? I mean, people are expecting right. to be able to go to a marketplace buy something and have it on their desk uh in the in the b2b space like same day next day um and so that's what their expect expectations are in the b2b world now and jagger is fully intending to deliver that and that that's what we see as that uh transition uh to autonomous commerce yeah, I think that's that. That's a, a great observation, actually, especially with younger with younger people entering the workforce that have grown up using using apps or, or websites like Amazon. They get to they they get to a, a big company and have to use an ERP system to do to 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 do requisitioning and procurement, and they're thinking, <laughs> why? It, why? I, I, so one of the things I love to do is when, if I go to a customer, I I love to sit down with the users. Um, and, and it's really interesting. You get the, I'll call it, and I've got kids that are, you know, in, in their early thirties, late twenties, and they sit down at these, you know, ERP systems and they're like, what am I looking at? This is not my experience at home. And that's what they're wanting. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Where are you seeing the most, uh, in terms of business growth, where, where are you seeing the most traction at the moment? Are you, are you getting more, having more success stealing business away from existing suites when, when customers are looking to change or, or do you still see most of your growth as greenfield? I would say most of it, it it's twofold. It, it's, you know, as we launch our autonomous commerce, what people really want to know is, okay, great. What do I need to get there? And it's a journey map. It's, you know, it's a, it's a journey in a map, right? It's less often are people going to want to flip the switch all at one time. So we, we lay out a path for them to get the outcome that they're looking for. And so oftentimes they're, you know, where, where we're seeing our growth is, you know, the the markets that we tend to cater to is tend to be fairly complex right so 
you know, if you've got a very simple procurement process, you may be better going off going something like a Cooper or something. Um, if you've got a fairly complex environment, so higher education, public sector, manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, energy, um, where you've got a mix of, of direct and indirect and uh, nuances that require, um, you know, some very specific things, that's where we flourish um, uh, in, in those markets. And so some of those are existing customers that are broadening out uh, their capabilities to layer on uh, intelligence, which we're seeing a lot of uptick on. Um, and then others are, are sort of, you know, still in, in I, I'll call it greenfield, but, you know, again, I pointed out 75% of corporate spend is in direct materials. Um, and that market is, has historically been ERP run and ERPs just, you know, while they serve a certain purpose, um, they don't communicate with the outside world, you know, fantastic. So, yeah. um, we're, so we're seeing a lot, a lot of, uh, uptick in that space. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with you there. I mean, direct materials and also services procurement is an area mm -hmm. that's been, that's been pretty underserved historically in, in procure tech. And I talk a lot about, you know, mid market and how that's, going to be the, the the next frontier but i do think there's a lot of wiggle room as well with direct spend and 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 also serve although services is really mushrooming now with the different innovative solutions that are coming on uh or coming on stream final question jim you're a busy guy and appreciate your time where is the best place that people can find you or learn more about jagger yeah, sure. So thank you for asking. So clearly, you know, our, our website at jagger.com uh, is the best place to get all sorts of information on us. But, you know, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we have a mantra here at, at Jagger is the customer is number one. Uh, everything that we do revolves around that customer. So, you know, by all means, customers can reach out to us and we'll be uh, on, on top of it. Awesome. Jim, thanks again for coming on the show. And yeah, all the best with your new uh, app store that's just about to roll out. Terrific. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. So that was Jim from Jagger talking about how they differentiate themselves from what is quite a noisy and very, very competitive market in that space. Hope that was useful for anyone that was considering potentially what are the differences between some of the bigger suites that are out there. Just before we sign off, don't forget if you're looking to get a complete overview of digital procurement solutions and want to filter them based on your own individual criteria, then head across to procurementsoftware.site where I'm sure we will be able to facilitate your needs and requirements there. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe wherever you are in the world and speak to you again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>